Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Hugo Nuts. This week, we're talking about Spin by Robert Charles Wilson. And Brent is going to give you the setup. Okay, this one starts with a bang. So we're following Tyler, Jason, and Diane, three friends who are growing up together. And one night, as they're out looking at the stars, they all go out. At the same time, all the satellites stop functioning, worldwide communications are upset, and they're left to wonder, is the sun going to rise tomorrow? It does, but when it does, they and the rest of the human race then have to figure out what's happening. And as they investigate it, it turns out they've been wrapped in what they decide to call a spin membrane. Which means, on Earth, time is passing like a million times slower than it's passing out in the rest of the solar system. And so in their lifetimes, the sun is going gonna, is gonna to go through its entire life cycle. It's going to expand into a gas giant and into a red giant and absorb the Earth and destroy civilization. So the question is, how are they going to try to solve this problem? And how are they and the rest of society going to deal with this impending sense of doom from the spin? Hi, I'm Cody Troyer. And I'm Brent Gaysford. And we are the Hugo Knots, talking about spin, which is 448 pages, or about 17 and a half hours on audiobook. Um, it was published in 2005, won the Hugo in 2006. In our opinion, kind of one of the very sneaky Hugo winners. Maybe it's just because of the name, just called Spin. Um, I hadn't been aware of it, and neither Brent until we went on uh, Jonathan's show on YouTube, Words in Time. So since he introduced the book to us, he's going to be the guest um, on today's episode. Yes. Uh, what are we doing, and then what are we going to do next time? Uh, next time is going to be uh, our Peter Lotz interview. This time we have no imminent births. Um, right. Uh, <laughs> no more births to get through. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully all is well on my end. My little guy has had some mm, some stressful issues, and we're doing surgery this week, but we're hopeful that that's going to go great. Um, but uh, anyway, send good vibes, and it's nice to be here with all of you. This is a good uh, distraction, and uh, let's talk about big sci-fi yeah. ideas instead of scary uh health issues for tiny humans. But anyway, send good vibes. It's all going to be good. And we'll talk with Peter Watts soon. Yes, we will. And did you want to tell us about the book club too? Oh, yeah. And then we're also about to start another round of the book club. So uh, we're just about to vote on the next book to read. So uh, if you're not on the Discord, hop on the Discord, vote on what we'll read, and then we'll read it together. And then uh, I'll chat on the channel um, and then release an episode about it after that. So should be really fun. Yeah, it's going to be sweet. But let's get into spin for now. All right, so welcome, Jonathan, of Words in Time. Uh, thanks for coming and talking to us about Spin. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you guys. I always uh, enjoy talking sci-fi books with the two of you and Spin. The Spin's one I'm looking forward to, to chatting about. Uh, looking forward to hearing your reactions to it. Yeah, you actually kind of turned us on to Spin um, when you had us on your show. Um, and so we're excited to chat with you about it. Did, and would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about words in time, what you do? Yeah. Words in times, my YouTube channel, sci-fi only, you know, I got, I've been into sci-fi for a while. I like fantasy. I watch a few movies, a few TV shows, but on YouTube, too many fantasy channels, not enough sci-fi channels. So I appreciate we getting agree. to talk to you, you guys. Uh, if you like sci-fi, come check it out. Modern, classic, hard, soft, Whatever kind of sci-fi you're into, we got you covered. Awesome. Yeah, it's great. It's a great channel. Go check them out. Uh, all right. So, Jonathan, uh, would you like to give us your review of Spin? Let's start. Okay. Well, I like to use the out of 10 system, but I will, I'll play your game. I'll play. <laughs> Just divide by two, baby. Uh, I'll play the Huguenots uh, game. 
and I will give it. I'll give it five stars. I give it a nine All and right. a half out of ten. But we'll, we'll round we'll round that up to a nice clean five. I really enjoyed this book. It is sense of wonder sci-fi. It captured my imagination. Big high concept. What if the stars disappear? And you have interesting characters as well. I think it does a really good job of balancing the concepts and the themes with interesting character development and storylines as well. I thought it came together in a beautiful way, and I, I rank it pretty highly. I hope you guys enjoy it uh, as much as I did. Well, let's see about that, Brent. What did you rate it? Okay, yeah, uh, I'm going to give it a four out of five. No, I liked it quite a lot. I loved the beginning of the book. Um, the general like big bad problem to solve is amazing. It's a very compelling start with you know chapter one. You know, we've got our main characters outside and the stars go out and it's like, what is happening? Um, <laughs> that said, when a book starts off with a bang, I like want it to take it all the way through and the ending didn't do it as much for me. And then some of the character development stuff, there's good and bad things there. Anyway, we'll talk about it. So I'm gonna give it a, I'm gonna give it a four out of five. I liked it. I didn't love it. Yeah, and that's it's going to be an interesting episode because I feel like uh, Brent and you and I uh, disagree about exactly the same things. <laughs> we feel opposite ways. Because I'm with you, Jonathan. Uh, I gave it a four and a half out of five. That's like our nine and a half out of ten, I suppose. <laughs> same score as you. And I loved it for all the same reasons. I thought it was a, a very compelling character story um, at its core that had a really interesting concept overlaid that that was interesting um, from like a philosophical perspective, but also I really liked seeing how it played out on civilization. Um, the implications played out. Um, loved it. Definitely. And uh, stoked to talk about it. Let's start with maybe the format. What's a kind of like the format of the novel? Um, so Brent? there's two timelines. Um, and in pre-spoilers here, we're mostly just talking about the timeline that starts with them being children and the stars going out. There's another timeline which becomes clear pretty quickly is like the present of the novel, um, you know, far in the future. But uh, we won't we won't talk too much about that one because you don't get a lot of chapters there in the first sort of half of the book. Um, but yeah, that's the that's the high level format. And then the other thing that's happening. So in the past timeline, which is where you spend. Uh, which is the majority of the book, like catching up to the present. Um, it all follows Tyler Dupree, and um, he is and his two friends. Good name, good Tyler Dupree. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler you, you, Dupree is. You a get nice a business name. card with Tyler Dupree on it. You're like, I'm, I'm making, I'm calling back. That's a good. <laughs> yes, name. and Jason and Diane do call back. Um, so yeah, it's just about the sort of the three of them <laughs> and their lives intersecting as they all try to figure out what's going on. Yeah. And it, it's like at, at a larger level, um, I kind of felt like it was like uh, the English novel, like Jane Eyre, Withering Heights, Tess of the D'Urbervilles, like that sort of format where it's like a very small group of of characters who are tightly related from childhood as they grow up mm. um, and their relationships meets like a cool, huge sci-fi concept. So I loved I, I just loved the the smattering of, of those two. It sounded like you did too, Jonathan. Yes, I, I liked how it managed to be rather ambitious in the story that it was trying to tell, but still kind of personal. So you had these these characters, like a fairly small cast of characters. We, we got to dive quite deep into their relationships. Then we got to see how it affected society as a whole. And then more just like the existential high-level concepts 
sort of beyond my level of understanding almost uh, in terms of uh, things on a universal scale. So I like that the, the story had different layers to it. Yeah, I did also. The one, the one like narrative framing, like in terms of the plot, I really, really liked the, like what is happening? What is the deal with this spin membrane thing? Um, the one gripe I had in the first sort of half of the book is the way we find out is just like Tyler chats with Jason. Like Tyler never figures, only Jason never figures anything out. And so the the, the <laughs> first like bunch of chapters are like, just Tyler chatting with Jason every few years and like Jason telling us what's happening. And eventually like at the beginning I was like, Oh, I'm totally fine with this. And then like the fourth or fifth time in a row it happened. I was like, I don't care what Jason has to say anymore. <laughs> Tell me something else. <laughs> but Jason's got the goods. <laughs> Jason does have the goods. Yeah. Jason, Jason does, does have the goods. goods. I kind of, I, I liked hearing what Jason had to say. It was always, it was always interesting to me. He was almost like the, uh, the kind of the stand-in for the science fiction of yes, the novel. Yeah. Like if if Tyler and Diane are the humans, he's he's like, okay, just reminding everybody there's like some cool stuff happening in space scientifically. Um, so I didn't mind the exposition as much because it felt appropriate for the subject matter. Yeah, Agreed. for sure. Oh, good. Do you all like the two timeline setup? Do you like that generally? I sometimes have an issue with multiple timelines because it's very hard to write both of them in a way that are equally interesting and consistently interesting. So often I will find myself enjoying a timeline and then we'll go to the other one. It's like, "Ah, okay, this is all right, but I kind of want to get back to the other one. And in Spin in particular, Mm. I did feel a little bit that way. The, I guess the, the further along timeline, I found slightly less interesting than the, the one where we spend the bulk of the time. So that's not too big a problem because we spend more time in the timeline that I enjoyed more. But by the end, I did appreciate it more. Things came together. And so might not have been a highlight of the book, but I, but I think uh, Robert Charles Wilson pulled it off. I kind of exactly agree with that. I don't think it was a highlight. I think sometimes it is the highlight. Like it's what brings the drama, like in... Um uh, Broken Earth Volume One, whatever that the uh, NK uh, season, uh, first book in that series. The, that one has the best title. What's yeah, up? Yeah, fifth, fifth season. season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, uh, or um, I could think of a, a bunch of examples. And then sometimes uh, I, there's just a lot of contention on it. Sometimes if it's too confusing, I know we had a lot of people who were like um, on the dispossessed by Ursula K. Le Guin who were divided, like. Is this too confusing or is it cool to the narrative structure? Um, and that was an interesting thought. But I agree here. It's like it's kind of more about the past story anyways. So Yeah, I totally agree with that as well. By the end, I wanted I, – I, at the beginning, I was like, what are we doing in this future timeline? Nothing is happening here. But then by the <laughs> end, I was like, I'm done with the past. Give, mm. me, the, give me the present. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm yeah. ready. Um, yeah, he, he does one other thing that I thought was really interesting. Like I actually would argue his strongest uh, – like the thing that I found like most talented but that Robert Charles Wilson was doing, he kept, this is, um, there's like big ideas here, but this is not like a thriller style book with like, ooh, crazy stuff happening. Like I got to find out what happens on the next page. That's not the deal. But he still manages to keep the pacing pretty high because he's really good at just giving you like one sentence at the end of the chapter that like gives you the next like thing that they're going to figure out. But like not, you know, obviously one sentence, you can't flush it out. Be like, oh, Okay, well, I got. I, I better keep reading to figure out what yeah, yeah, yeah. that really means. He's so good at it, so 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 good, and it really kept a book that wasn't you know it's not a page turner, but like kept it exciting throughout. I thought it was really great. Yeah, I agree. 
Um, and uh, aside from business card-like sweet names and uh, the the structure of the plot, uh, we have the core concept. Jonathan, what did you think about the spin? Yeah, I was I was on board immediately. It it's it kind of it drops this bomb. It's this thing that kind of seems almost incomprehensible, and it's a great mystery. You want to get to the bottom of it, and it leads to questions about sort of your immediate future. It's like, well, what does this mean for humans? Like. How, how is this going to affect our lives now? How is this going to affect our lives decades from now? And then the way that it affects you on a mental and spiritual level, what does that mean for your understanding of the world and the universe and relationships and uh, what's important to you? So uh, I really liked how much r- richness there was, both on a philosophical level and more of a, a sci-fi level. As we go about finding more, more and more about it, and ways to try and tackle it. I really liked each of those each of those steps kind of from from the scientific angle as well. So in terms of big high concept sci-fi, this is one of the great pitches. I mean if 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 you if you got a hundred books and had to to pitch them to me in, in one sentence, uh, this has got to have a top five pitch, I reckon. So I agree with that, but the, yeah. The weirdest thing, so I always, when we're writing our summaries, I always go look at like the back of the book. I look at what's on like Amazon before you buy. Um, yeah. I usually don't write that because actually usually they're not so good. But this time for this book, which I totally agree you could sell in one sentence. Instead, what they do is they give you like a movie trailer style spoiler filled thing that gives you 95% of what happens in the book. I don't understand why the marketing for this book is like that. They tell you a bunch of stuff that I don't even want to say because we're still in pre-spoilers and I think it's insane that it's on the back of the book. But anyway, I totally agree. The core concept is amazing. I don't know why they did that. I don't get it. I got the book right here. I will read it silently so as not to spoil your audience. That's <laughs> uh, too long. That would, that would take up too much of the video. But that's, that's interesting. I, I do sometimes notice that certain uh, book blurbs give away a lot. Dragon's Egg by Robert L. Forward. I read the blurb of that and then I read the book and I was like, oh, that takes you maybe like 80, 85% of the way through the novel. Like, <laughs> don't read it. Don't, don't read the yeah. back of uh, Dragon's Egg. Yeah, this is uh, Rendezvous with Rama was kind mm. of like that too. It's like, that's the yeah. whole thing. Um, the, uh, the, it, I, think it's, I think it's interesting. Uh, the, the one thing that I was most interested in about the spin, um, as you alluded to, Jonathan, was, was how it impacted the immediate world. Um, and it felt really believable. Uh, the the idea of how people react to um, a world stop being stopped in time and what that means and and kind of being forced to face the meaninglessness of existence and time and how vast the yeah. universe is um, and and an existential threat that's more present and how uh, various you know religious uh, factions begin um, and how power structures use the idea of the spin to um, to try to keep controlling populations and stay in control of it, um, and and it it serves as a really interesting groundwork for uh, one of my favorite science fiction conversations that we see in stuff like uh, Contact by Carl Sagan of religion versus science and exploring where science is becomes faith, um, and and we get that even just in the characters like Ty, like Diane specifically being kind of the, the she experiments with religion uh, throughout the novel. 
while uh, Jason is the only one tackling the problem. So she's trying to deal with the experience of being human in this situation, and Jason is trying to uh, understand the situation and fight against it. And it serves as a really interesting um, dichotomy that I think drives the novel. Yeah, totally. It's an interesting book in the sense that in some ways it feels kind of like classic sci-fi. It feels sort of like a a Clark ideas-driven novel. And if you're if you're a, a character first reader, this might not be among your favorite character driven novels of all time. I don't know, like a Stephen King or someone that's f- famous for characters. It might not be on that level. But compared to classic sci fi, I would I put this on the medium hardness of soft to medium hard sci fi scale. <laughs> yeah. Nice medium sci fi. That's what we're all looking yeah. for. <laughs> yeah, the, the, that's helpful. Medium hard on the soft uh-huh. hard we medium. Got, <laughs> we got this, the the soft cover with the hard sci-fi. Uh, just to clarify, <laughs> just to, just to make it clear for you guys, by that standards, I thought that the the characters were done really well, and it was a little tropey. It's like you're the religious one, you're the scientific one, but I didn't mind that because I I, I thought there was enough enough depth there that we could kind of start from a a point A and B and then um, then work from there. Who did you like more? Did you like Jason or Diane? You know, I'm I'm the sci-fi guy. I got to go with Jason. I'm like, look, where there's questions that need answers, there's there's problems that need solutions. Let's get to it. This guy, this is the direction we need to go. Deal with the existential stuff on your deathbed. Uh, we've got we've got business to attend to. <laughs> I'm I'm I, I agree with you. I, I think obviously I, I identify with Jason more. Um, but I weirdly found Diane's I think story more That's compelling. Fair. There were just some scenes that were the more emotional yeah. scenes um, that happened with Tyler and and Diane. Um, but at and as Brent said, uh, the Jason scenes are more uh, just expositional. You don't tear up over explanations of gas particles. You're like, no, jo- Jonathan, I connected more to the human stuff. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> those rockets, those rockets really got me, man. Uh, yeah, well, I'm on exactly. Team Rockets on this one. Um, team, team Rocket. Uh, surprise, surprise, yeah, all three exactly. of us. Um, the one thing I will say about this is I loved... Uh, <clears throat> I like character-driven stuff a lot. I like a, I like a nice medium sci-fi here that does does both <laughs> things. But so this is this ended up being one of the things that held me back from being a five. Like I liked the idea of this in the beginning. I was like, oh, this is so cool. We're gonna like see this through these stories, th- through these characters. But then as time went on, I was just like, are these people like Tyler, especially our main character? He's just kind of like. Like I kind of don't know what Tyler was feeling at any point in this book, or you know, he he just like. He's just like a foil and a blank slate. And at various times, that's kind of like there's one character who's sort of like sort of telling him that. Um, but anyway, it did hold me back. It's one of the things that held me back from being like, this is one of the greatest sci-fi books of all time. Because the characters, it's like it's like it was a super ambitious idea. But um, it's almost like, like if, if somebody who was taking the religious end of the spectrum, like Diane, like she never seemed that freaked out. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people would be like really freaked out. And when you talked with them, they would like seem freaked out. Um, so anyway, it's, it's like a, you know, as long as I'm being the gripey guy on the, on the, uh, for the video, I'll keep being the gripey guy. Um, <laughs> and this is, this is one of my things. I thought that Diane was kind of purposefully 
trying to present that she wasn't worried about. Like she read to me as as like super worried, which is why she's doing all this extreme stuff, yeah. like joining cults and going farther and farther in. Um, but trying to present as everything's fine to like maintain some sort sort of uh, balance in her life. I I read her as a character like that, which made me feel like she was believable. And Tyler, I agree with you, but I also I guess the reason it worked for me is because I think he serves as yeah. the go between between Jason and Diane as like the the audience surrogate narrator who's kind of neutral and he's a little indecisive about where to go and he does a little of both um but he he like buffers the two ideas together yeah i think as an individual character if you if you're looking for someone with a lot of personality someone that's driving the story i say brent cody think think of some of your favorite science fiction lead characters of all time you're probably not going to think of tyler that's not really tyler's purpose tyler is serving as a go-between a middleman a kind of every man for you to project onto or to to kind of see the reactions or the, the differences between the two opposite ends. And I don't mind that if everything ar- around that is working. Uh, for example, in yeah. the Hyperion Cantos, a lot of people didn't enjoy the sequels, Endymion and the Rise of Endymion, as much because the main character, Rawl, he's a bit of an everyman. He's, he's a bit of an oaf, a bit of a brute, and somewhat of a good guy. Read the books and find out for yourself. But not a lot going on there. It's the, the world around him is crazy. He himself is not all that interesting. And a lot of people didn't like that. But I don't necessarily mind that as a way to view an extraordinary world through the eyes of an ordinary person. I, fi- I find that yeah. contrast to be interesting. I agree with that. I just want yeah. like some emotional they, highs. Like everyday people mm-hmm. have like strong emotional reactions to things and it's no, okay to like just a five they, out of 10 all the time, baby. <laughs> exactly. He's, he's just like, he's on such a high dose of antidepressants. Straight <laughs> <laughs> uh, chilling. I don't know. Again, I think, you know, readers will have to, we'd love to hear what you think because I think there's, there's some evidence uh, like with Diane that his actions, his actions tell a different story that he does have emotionally strong reactions based on, based on how he reacts to situations and what he does. But, uh, all that said, uh, let's move on to some recommendations before we do post spoilers. Um, what are some similar books people might like if they liked spin? I am going to recommend childhood's end by Arthur C. Clarke. So there's some differences, but some similarities are that, That is another book that I felt really captured my sense of wonder. It has an interesting mystery at the start. Uh, Some alien spaceships show up and hover over some major cities around Earth. And there's this question of where did they come from? Why are they here? What does that mean for us? So that big idea, concept-driven kind of sci-fi, I think will cross over if you enjoy that kind of thing in your writing. And it also did a good job of looking at things on a micro level and a macro level. So that book does not have sort of time, different timelines running at the same time, but it is split into three parts. And each time the story went to a new part, it just expanded my mind further and further. Uh, it's definitely classic sci-fi, probably not as strong in the character stuff, but it's a short book. It's only 200 pages. So focus on the ideas and uh, I think you'll, you'll find it rewarding if you enjoyed Spin. Yeah, can't go wrong with Clark. I mean, <laughs> uh, Brent, what do you what do you got? 
Well, you referenced it earlier, but I am going to go ahead and recommend it. Uh, Contact by Carl Sagan, I think is, um, so all the books we're recommending here, like all sort of take a stab at like, what might the biggest question in the universe be? And then let me like give you a narrative that, that gets into that and explains it for you. Um, and of those kinds of books, contact is definitely my favorite one I've ever read. Um, it's like, I have not read it. You haven't. Oh, it's, it's on my, it's out of frame, I think, but it's on my shelf over here. So, I'm getting, I hope I'm getting hyped. That. Keep well, going, we're recommending Brent. it to hype you as well. <laughs> For sure. It's so have you seen the movie? I A lot of not. people have. Okay. All right. So the movie is also great, but the book is nice. like so much better, even. Um, it's just got like the best. Oh, man, I don't even know where to go with this. I also want to make sure I don't spoil anything for you. Okay, it's got, like, my favorite answers to that question that I've ever seen. I also think there are, like, possible answers. Almost always I get to the end of a book like this, and it's like, does that seem like a possible answer to me? Nope, but contact kind of does. And it's got that, like, is science... Uh, you know, religion versus science. Like it explores that in the best way I've ever seen. It almost feels like a, like a religious text for people who like believe in science. Um, (laughs) It's just, it's outrageous. It's so good. And the answer, the answer is crazy. And the answer is not in the movie, which is the wildest thing about it. The movie just, it gives you like a different answer, a cliffhanger. The book is like, no, let's get into it. Um, Yeah. It's so fun. It's so great. The final recommendation, I'm not going to go as long as the other two because we've recommended it a million times. Three body, three body problem. It got, you got to read what? it at some what? point. If you listen to the show, if you like sci-fi, read, read three body problem if you haven't yet. <laughs> More existential. That seemed like an unnecessary drive-by. I'm not going <laughs> to ramble on endlessly like these two supposedly <laughs> <Because> loquacious <no. laughs> YouTubers. I'm going to get straight to the point. Like, geez, what did I do? <laughs> Uh, you you've done nothing. Brent and I have rambled about Three Body on a million other episodes. So Deservedly that's so. that's our good, good series, good trilogy. <laughs> Wonderful, yeah. Um, a lot of the similar uh, things that we loved about Spin, just giant existential questions uh, with cool or at least interesting answers, um, even if you don't one doesn't agree with them. Um, so read Contact, read Three Body, read Childhood's End. They're all great. So is Spin. And Brent, what's going to happen in the rest of Spin? Why don't you tell us about it in three, two, one. Okay, so a man from Mars comes back and uh, he lands on Earth, just one guy. Um, And there's a great little reference to a stranger in a strange land. Um, And anyway, so he tells them the Martians, before their spin membrane came down, they had, I think, a couple million years to, like, evolve. And they did all kinds of crazy biological stuff. And he comes back with a plan for them, which doesn't get explained to us quite. You don't get the plan right away. It takes a few more chapters. But anyway, the plan is uh, to to launch some von Neumann probes out into uh, uh, the galaxy. Von Neumann probes are uh, self-replicating machines, basically, that can propagate themselves across the the galaxy. If you haven't read about them before, do some Googling. It's like a really compelling idea. And if we're going to explore interstellar space, like this is, this is just how you have to do it. Anyway, okay. So, but what these probes are going to look for specifically is evidence of spin membranes in other solar systems. And the idea being, okay, can we get some more information about uh, uh, spin membranes out there? And will that tell us more about this one? Uh, then the, oh, the Martian guy also brought back some cool, uh, uh, a suitcase full of like bootleg Martian drugs, but you don't find out a lot about them right away. Okay. Then he gets shot because 
humans are dysfunctional. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and then um, he gets drive by. Yeah, he does. He literally gets drive by. Or no, yeah. he's driving by. I think. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Calm A, calm B. Yeah. Uh, okay. So um, they launch the von Neumann probes. They start to get some data back, um, and then Jason takes the drug. Um, which makes you live longer and cures your cures what ails you. Whatever whatever ails you, the Martian drug will fix you right up. Anyway, um, it also yeah. massively expands your consciousness. Yes, yeah, crazy drug. Um, so Jason takes it, and then he also takes like an altered version that lets him like hear the uh, the voice of God basically somehow. Do you guys remember what is the mechanism by which he at the end finds out all the information? I can't. The mechanism yeah. is that he he being a fourth stage Martian, uh, his senses can interact with the von Neumann probes so they can repeat information into his brain. Okay, that's right. So he's hearing from the von Neumann machines and um, so he's and it turns out the spin membranes are created by different von Neumann machines that got created by some other civilization a long time ago. And the reason they're creating this spin membrane is they like go they find civilizations that they think are about to collapse under their own whatever, doing a bad job, and put them in a spin membrane so that they can basically move these this crazy arch object and drop it in, drop it on Earth. And then it allows, it's like a one-way gateway. Well, you can come back through it. Okay, so it's a two-way gateway to like this other big planet. Um, so they're like giving humans more real estate. And by having more real estate, it solves our societal collapse problem. Um, yeah, and so that's the big answer is it's actually like benevolent machines that like did this to us to... Uh, uh, prevent our collapse and then like give us more real estate. Um, ba- so yeah, basically humans were like naughty little kids, and then these aliens came along and put us in timeout, and we were like, oh man, this is so mean. Oh, this isn't fair. What are we getting put in timeout for? And saying, like, no, 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 this is for your own benefit. This is because you are being naughty, and after you <laughs> spend some time in timeout, we're going to give you the option to go. You know, boarding school, right? Where you can go somewhere else, and then maybe you'll maybe you'll get your act together. A childhood's end of sorts. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love, yeah, I, uh, I love all that. Yep. Um, yep, yep. Yeah, let's start with. Why don't we start with the von Neumann probes? I mean, what what did you think, Jonathan? I mean, that's the the conceit of the book. That's the the twist. That's the major reveal. Yes, I I really enjoyed it. I I like that as a concept. I, I like the sort of uh, the combination of the the high tech stuff spanning incredible uh, spaces and time, but then the, also the interaction with biology, uh, the way that, that the characters were able to connect to those things, and it in, it uh, changed the information they had access to, and the way that they were able to interact with other people. I found that to be really rewarding conceptually. Each kind of time we got another piece in the puzzle, I was totally on board. Uh, this is this is half a sidestep from your question, but it Side made me steps think. Are of, welcome. When you guys read a book and you you get to the end of a paragraph and you're like, uh, my mind kind of wandered there. I didn't really take I didn't really take all of that in. What do you do? Do you do you reread it? What what's your approach? I basically only listen to audiobooks. So it definitely can happen a lot, and uh, I uh, mash I mash rewind thirty as much as I need uh, at, at up to like 
it can happen a lot depending on the book. <laughs> uh, I just finished Permutation City by Greg Egan, which we're going to yeah. do an episode on at some point. I had to rewind that puppy quite a few times. <laughs> uh, I don't mind, you know, if it if it helps me, if it's a concept that it helps sink in, it's fine with me. I don't mind looking stuff up. I didn't mind looking up what von Neumann probes were. I thought that was cool. It's cool to learn about stuff. So it doesn't bug me. Yeah, for sure. I would say there's two different kinds of that feeling for me. So sometimes it's like that was a very information-dense piece of content right there, and I'd feel like I was actually supposed to understand all of it. So then I go back and read it again. Yeah. There's other times, like I have lots of non-sci-fi examples of this, but for a sci-fi example, Blindsight. Okay, Blindsight, mm. I think you might feel like that quite a bit when you're reading that book. In Blindsight, I would argue you actually should not go back and read. You're just supposed to get a mood. So like if the point is to get the mood, I kind of just like let it keep moving and like let the mood like mm. slowly develop in my brain. And yeah. um, like some of my favorite writers of all time, right? Like that, like Faulkner is my yeah. personal like favorite writer and Faulkner Meh. is incomprehensible and Cody has bad taste. Um, <laughs> and uh, But he gives you this mood, like over time, if you just like let it keep somehow hitting your brain and no part of it really, you sometimes can't even tell who's talking or what's going on, but somehow you get this mood. Anyway, so it depends. If it, if I feel like I'm supposed to be getting a mood, I'm just like, mm, I'm going to trust that at some point this will make yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Otherwise, like yeah. That. Got it. Got so it. Here's, you? here's what made me think of it. Because sometimes, and it, 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 as Brent pointed out, it can depend on the style of the book. But generally, if I'm not really enjoying a book that much and I feel like, oh, I might have missed a sentence or two, Bad luck. You had your chance to get me on board. I'm not on board. I'm moving on with my day. I like this take too. If I'm if I'm somewhat enjoying the book, like oh, I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to feel like I'm missing anything important. So I'll go back up to the, the top of the page and I'll just do a quick skim. I was like, does it, does it seem like there's anything super important? Okay, yeah, that character said this. All right, we're good to go on. When it came to spin, all right. I think it's a combination of the fact that it's somewhat dense, but I think it's more just the fact that I was enjoying it so much. I would reread every single word. I can say from the bottom of my heart, I read all whatever this is, 450, 488. Pages. Oh, my copy is 454. Yeah, get your one has bonus content. I would, I'd recommend. Well, the up one, that one. The, what I Googled has bonus content, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> 454 pages, I can honestly say I didn't miss a word. I would, I was glued to the page, and if for some reason I did errantly wander with my mind, I would go back and reread the entire page. That was how much I was enjoying the concepts in Spin. For sure. I also think he does a great job explaining them. Um, mm -hmm. Earlier I was telling people to Google von Neumann machines. Actually, you're totally right. You don't need to. You could just read this book. <laughs> does a great job of explaining why it's cool and how it would work and like it's all there but without being like techno babble nonsense um yeah you're totally right it's uh yeah this is a good one this is a good one for like getting it all yeah i think you're right i had a reaction because i googled it the first time i read it because i'm used to that i was like oh i don't know i'll look into it and then when he explained it i was like well we all know <laughs> we already know what these are. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I just found it such a compelling uh, uh, concept. Like you said, Brent, the, the idea, it's like, mm, it's, it, does, it does seem like the only way to really bridge the gap in all this space um, to get any sort of information about the rest of the universe. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, let me, let me go ahead now. Be, be, uh, I'll be my second half hater, my post spoilers hater. Right. Um, the idea that like, okay, so there's two, this is like a, a two pronged, two pronged argument. So, but I'll start with, um, just the general conceit here that like all biological systems, like are failures and the only people who can succeed, the only civilization that can succeed is the von Neumann machines. But the von Neumann machines are self-replicating machines. It's the same thing. They just like don't live on planets. There's no reason for that. Second of all, the idea that like the, what will cure, it'll cure what ails us if we just had more land. It's like, is that the problem that we're having? I'm, I'm fairly confident it's not the problem we're having actually as a society. Third of all, third, third prong, the Martians, uh, the argument gets made that the reason the Martians couldn't launch the von Neumann machines themselves is because they don't have an industrial base because they don't have any fossil fuels. And it's like, what that you, we can't like, and so this comes back to like, you need more real estate thing. It sort of like assumes the only way to like grow and make things is to like light oil on fire. But it's like, well, the von Neumann machines are using the stars. That's the real energy sources in the universe. Here's my gripe. To address the third prong in your gripe trident, um, <laughs> the, the, I, I, I believe the reason that the fossil fuels were an issue is because the spin membrane hit them so they didn't have solar power anymore, correct? No, you still oh, have no, solar power. It hits power. them after. Yeah, it hits them after. Yeah, it, the, so there's a different argument that maybe you could make that you don't have like, like for instance, there's not very much nitrogen on Mars and you do need nitrogen for like lots of things. Um, but anyway, that wasn't the argument. We don't, we don't so, need uh, to get, we don't need to get too, we don't need to get too in the weeds. I, I guess your, your thing is, as it always is, is you don't like resource defeatism and the, the idea of, of like not believing the science fiction that is like humanity is destined to fail because we suck. Yeah, yeah, because we suck and we're going to yeah. run out of resources. Like, yeah. just like Thomas Malthus said, like 200 years ago, and he's like, well, we're going to definitely all die off because we can't possibly grow enough food to have like more than 700 million people. And it's like, oh, well, turns out we could. Uh, <laughs> just like always. Where do you fall on that scale, Jonathan? Interesting. I, I don't have a strong opinion on this. I haven't crunched the numbers, I'm afraid. <laughs> my My gut reaction, my instant reaction, I think that resources to an extent are limited. So I do think that at some point in time, that is a valid concern. I don't think we are that close to reaching the limit. I hmm. think as technology develops and our ability to expand develops, the question of finite resources is not on the horizon in, in human terms. Yeah, I think I, I I generally agree with that. And to, to like address your thing about the more space, Brent, the idea that like, oh, we have an archway to a new planet. So we've got all, you know, we can start over here. Um, that does feel defeatist. It's like, that's not the way to solve the problem. It's more of like a social rethinking of how we distribute and use um, rather than, uh, you know, it's kind of, it kind of, felt to me like like the larger house more stuff thing you know it's like <laughs> humanity's got a larger house now so they're just gonna they're just gonna fill that one with two and then be like we're out of space again how did this happen it, it does feel a little bit innate to our to really the way love, we organize really now cody and i were talking the other day about this this we both have this theory of like uh, uh item acquisition 
um, no matter how big a space you live in, you will fill it with items. And I really, really, really love that. Run out of space. (laughs) As as someone that recently moved from a one bedroom to a two bedroom apartment, I can relate to this. I I, I didn't mind. I didn't mind living in the one bedroom. I didn't feel like that cramped. And now I live in a two bedroom. And I think back at the old one. I was like, where did we put all our stuff? Where did it go? So I guess the answer for, for all of us to the, and you all can answer for yourselves too, but would be, uh, would you travel through the arch? Yes. And I'd pick up that planet too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm bringing an arch sized suitcase, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so I glossed over in the summary. I glossed over Diane's half because it's not like the big sci-fi answer. We should definitely talk about what happened to Diane and Cody. I know you loved it. You want to talk about that a little bit? About the the religious portion? Yeah, yeah. I mean she she joins a she joins a cult at the beginning. That's kind of like a bacchanalia cult. Uh, the idea is the end of times are coming, so the religion is, uh, you know, be as hedonistic as possible. Um, and then that people kind of get tired of that as life moves on, which is one you thing I love do about this. so many ecstasy, sex, orgy, parties. Yeah. Eventually orgy, they orgy. get mundane. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you get your, like, time just keeps going on, which is one of my favorite parts about this book is it feels very natural. It's like everyone freaks out at the beginning, but then as everyone keeps living, they're like, oh, I guess just fall into my old habits again. And the planet continues kind of as normal, just a little different. Uh, anyways, um, the, the cult that continues out of that is a more kind of, um, extreme apocryphal cult. Um, and she has a husband and they go to, uh, I forget it, maybe Texas, something like that, uh, to be part of this, this church that, uh, is trying to, um, re- genetically breed a red calf, which is a line in the Bible about the the end of times, like the second coming of Christ. And there's this just visceral, awesome scene where Diane is dying of this, this mad cow disease essentially. And there's only like five more cult members out of this, what used to be a giant international cult. Um, and the cult leader is birthing this calf in the shed, Tyler shows up to to save Diane because her husband Simon is too um, soft, I guess, <laughs> to to help her. <laughs> and uh, and he calls Tyler in, and Tyler walks in on just like the cult leader and his his right hand man birthing this diseased, bloody red calf, and thinking that thinking that they've finally done it. It's just like the saddest scene that is the end of the road for the religious side of, of things. It's it, it, the, If you go all the way into the, the fervor side, the zealotry side of religion, you eventually get to the end of the road where you've, you've found your answers and they're not the right ones. And what do you do then? And then he immediately goes back to Connecticut, uh, DC, Virginia, wherever it is that the, uh, the family house is, um, the big house, Diane and yeah, the big house, not the jail, the, right. the, the literal big house. Yeah. <laughs> that, that Tyler era that, um, Diane and Jason grew up in and Jason is dying because he's fourth stage Martianed himself and he can now understand his brain can process the information from the von Neumann repeaters. And he's reached the end of the scientific end of zealotry and fervor. Um, he's reached the point where he's got all the answers. He's done his thing. He's chased this singular goal and he's going to 
die because of it without really in, impacting anything. He does understand what's happening, but it doesn't really, it doesn't end up affecting any outcomes. And I just love those two scenes. You, those are kind of like the end of the road for each um, Jason and Diane on their extreme paths. Uh, so sorry, that took a while, but um, no, I liked it. Thoughts? I did too. It made me like it more. Oh, I wanted, I want you good. to edit this, those, I want you to edit. I want you to be the editor on all this. <laughs> you've got like you got like 40 minutes of brent hating on the book to undo like <laughs> no 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 sorry i meant uh no what i was saying was deeply insulting to robert charles wilson i'm saying i want you to edit his book for him to bring that emotion <laughs> oh, okay. into the book i loved it oh, wow. that... <laughs> uh sorry robert charles if you're watching uh, i apologize it was so, a bit, but also I meant it. Sorry. The, the religious fervor stuff we've seen before in a million different stories, and it's it's fairly obvious, but um, I was really interested in the fourth stage Martian portion of things, mm. as were you, Jonathan, um, which is one of the questions you had. I'm just going to flip it on you. Would you be elevated to the fourth stage? Would you go so hard that you're your consciousness is expanded to the point where like, your body can't take it, but you get to see... You get to see some stuff. Yeah, it's interesting because if you came to me right now and and pitched it to me, I'd, I'd be like, nah, that that, that that doesn't seem necessary. I'm, I'm intrigued, but I don't think I'd go through with it. But if I was put in the situation where it seemed like within a number of years, Earth would be gone and it's up to me, I'm one of the only scientists in the world that can possibly figure this out, and I dedicate my life to it, and I get closer and closer, and I have the opportunity to make contact and learn everything that I've dedicated my life to learning, you put it in my hand, I'm taking it, like no doubt, on the spot. Luckily, I'm not in that situation, but (laughs) oh, Jason. Oh, Jason, I get why you did it, my friend. Yeah. I, I feel that. What about you, Brett? Can I take the version where you just get the mind expansion, but you don't die, that Tyler and, <laughs> and Diane take? I want that one. <laughs> yeah, that is, to, yeah, that is interesting that they just they just get that. When they come out with an update, when, when it's like 4.1, I'll, 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 I'll take stage 4.1, please. <laughs> the, the update. I, I'll also use it as a, as a way to argue that Tyler is a, a good character. All three of us don't want to be Jason. We don't want to be Giant. We want to be Tyler. He's an audience <laughs> surrogate because most yes. of us are somewhere in the middle. I rest my case. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, you know, I don't think there's there's that much there's that much more here. Did did you guys have any other uh, vanishing finishing thoughts? Mm. I think we covered the book pretty well. I just want to give a shout out to the cover. I mean, I know people hate the fake stickers, so we'll pretend that's not there. Just the swirl of the stars, the green, the purple. If you put purple on your book cover, I'm probably buying it, all right? Like <laughs> Empire, of, Empire of Silence, one of my favorite covers. Spin, one of my favorite covers. People say, stop, stop using teal and purple for sci-fi. No, that's an elite <laughs> color combo. Any, teal, any purple and teal, I'm going to watch your movie. I'm going to buy your book. Spin. Good job, Spin cover artist. I'm, I'm uh, into that too. Let me add in the the mighty the old mighty ducks of Anaheim, the hockey team, oh, teal yeah. purple, good combo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very good combo. Uh, Jonathan, have you read the uh, the sequels? I have not. I heard mixed reactions to the sequels. It's interesting. You would think that if it you doesn't love, sound like the book called for a sequel, really. Yeah, yeah. It, I true. had the same 
thought. I, I think if you... The tough thing about getting people to read sequels, especially if it's not like a clear, oh, this is like a, a multiple uh, books story arc, like you need to find, you need, you need to read to book five to find out the ending. It's hard to get people to read multiple books. One, because if they don't love the first book, why would they continue? And then B, if they do love the first book, the expectation is so high. Like for me, I think it's partially I was very satisfied with the ending. And B, I love this so much. Like this is, I put this on my top 25 books of all time list. I'm not, I wouldn't hold it to that standard, but yeah, anything less than like a, at least a four, four and a half would be comparatively a disappointment. So, and because the the reactions I've seen have been a bit mixed, I have not yet dived into the sequels. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think the more and more I read, especially genre fiction, I'm, I'm always loving the one-offs the most. And sometimes like a series just has to be so good all the way through um, to, re- to keep me on board. I agree with you. Yeah, another reason to get into sci-fi. Uh, more standalones. Not, <laughs> not everything's a trilogy. Certainly, certainly not that many 15-book uh, epics that are all a thousand yeah, pages And even long. sometimes when there right. is a trilogy, just go ahead and read the first one and you're, you're going to be good. You're going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll get it. You'll get it. Um, but not when it comes to the three-body problem. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's Spin. Uh, thanks for joining us, Jonathan. Um, everyone go check out Words in Time on YouTube. Jonathan's got a great channel going there and uh, it was really fun chatting with you, man. Yeah, always fun talking to you guys. I appreciate it. For sure. All right, I'll see you later. Later.